we've uh, been in John 17 for a little while. And uh, I have a friend <clears throat> uh, goes to this class. I have a couple of friends, actually. I know that is shocking. <laughs> have a couple of friends go to this class. And one of them has said to me on different occasions this. Uh, I think I've got my notes here. Uh, he said, uh, Cliff, you're a little bit like a, maybe an arsonist. <laughs> and I guess what he meant was, he said was, you sort of start something and then leave it. <laughs> and uh, throw something out there and uh, get it going and then jump away from it. And uh, so this week as I was preparing uh, for the lesson, um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't always know exactly. I, I just uh, sense a nudge here and there at times. And I've talked to different people said, you know, I, I don't know if that's the spirit sometimes or if it's me. Uh, there are a lot of people who live up here and they, they have a lot of access. Um, but anyway, I, I thought there's a couple of things we talked about last week that I, I feel like that uh, I just sort of threw it out there and then ran off and uh, sort of started a fire and uh, left it to you to put out. <laughs> you, you ever feel like I do that? Come on, you can be honest. Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Um, and so this week as I was preparing on Wednesday, I mean, I can remember uh, Wednesday, uh, I just felt this nudge about a couple of things. And I'm going to kind of start, I think, backwards today on the handout. Uh, I'm going to start with D. So you never know. You never know. You just never know. Sometimes I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But we've been discussing this idea of, of Jesus' prayer, and I just felt nudged and, and shoved a little bit. I talked to my Friday morning Bible study about this, that I made some statements recently, um, and maybe could be misunderstood a bit from this standpoint, is sort of my, uh, I don't know how to say it other than kind of my dismissive uh, tendency about feelings. You know, I sort of occasionally sound like that. Kind of, right, I, I get an amen now. So, yeah, now they're amening. Yeah. Uh, that sort of dismissive of the role or the place of feelings in the Christian life. And uh, at my desk there at the house, you know, I was studying and going along, and the Lord just kind of went, and I went, okay. And He said, you need to, you need to make some clarification here. You need to, you need to sort of dial it down here just a bit. So. This is uh, my being corrected, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, again, I, I, I want to I talk to you a little bit about that. So it's, it's on D, because I didn't know how else to put it in. Um, I, I want to kind of just approach this uh, from a, as biblically as I can about this idea. Uh, I think in some ways, I've probably gone so far to the left here, the idea that I just dismiss feelings all the time. You know, I just absolutely don't trust them. Some of that is experience. Uh, anybody ever had a feeling that you thought was from God and later found out it wasn't? <laughs> anybody besides me? Yeah. And so uh, that's been sort of my journey that I've tried to kind of work through that. So I want to just uh, share a few ideas with you here and some, actually some, uh, maybe even some science. Uh, let me suggest a couple of things as we kind of work through this. And this is, again, some thoughts about feelings. Uh, I want to suggest to you, and I'll, I'll just give you this, that that. I've tried to write these in a way you can remember them, that, that feelings are real, but they're not always reality. Okay, I want to kind of work on that. that. That feelings are real. Yeah, we got them. We, we can feel 
close or far from God and, and they're real. I, I think that's where I felt like the Lord was kind of nudging me to say, you're, di- you're dismissing something, Cliff, that's real. You know, you're just dismissing it. Uh, people feel far from God sometimes. I, when my father was, uh, was uh, in the last stages of his illness, I, I was always praying and saying that, that he wouldn't feel afraid, that he would, would sense God's presence. You know, and I, I know Dave Fatkins, well, Dave will not care. I can get forgiveness on this easy. I remember asking Dave right after he woke up from his long, drawn-out thing. I said, Dave, did you, did you sense God's presence? And he goes, no. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. Good. <laughs> um, and, and, and so they're real, but, but they may not be reality. And sometimes what I'm trying to do is to say to myself or others, it's okay to have them, they're real, but be careful about ascribing to them reality. I feel far from God often. Anybody with me? You know, it's busy or something going on or I'm sick and I don't feel good. I feel far from God and maybe you do too at times. That's real, but it is not necessarily reality because the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, one of my favorite verses on this about the real and reality issue is found in Psalm 31. We'll turn there. I just want you to take a look at this. And I hope, I trust that, that I'm following the, the spiritual leadership here today. Uh, if this is for someone or someones or for me just to admit that uh, I need to settle down here a little bit. <laughs> um, Psalm 31, uh, written by David, uh, or this particular one we believe is, uh, I want you to follow. I'm going to read it. I'm reading out of the American Standard, uh, the real Bible. And uh, that's, that's an ugly thought. Here we go. David uh, is writing this psalm, we believe, uh, a psalm of David. Um, um, it begins really at verse 19. How great is your goodness, which is stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. Before the sons of men, you hide them in the secret place, your presence from the conspiracies of men. You shelter them secretly in the shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed the Lord. He has marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. Hallelujah. Watch this one. As for me, though, see, that's all true about everybody else. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off before your eyes. So David's saying all these wonderful things to everybody else, but as for me, hey, I am, you can't even see me, right? That's what we're at. You know, I'm cut off from before you. You can't even see me. Look at that. What's, what's the rest of it though? Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication when I cried to you. You know what? I said, hey, you can't even see me in my alarm, in my fear, in my anxiety, in my terror, whatever, in my trouble, in my difficulty with my family, my job, my, who, who knows what it is. I said in my alarm, I'm cut off. But nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication. Here's what I want to say. Feeling cut off is real. But what? It's not reality. Okay, stay, stay, stick with this, okay? It's real. You feel cut off. You bet. 
You sense that God can't see you. You sense that God doesn't know where you are. You sense that God's left you or whatever. It's real. You can't deny that. You can't say, well, I don't feel that. Yes, you do. But it's not reality. Nevertheless, he said, God, you heard the voice of my supplications. And I think that's where I tend to kind of go too far to the other side. Ah, well, it's not real. You know, here's real. But, but the reality is that God heard you. I want to suggest to you that in, in some way or another that it's trying to bring our mind and heart to the reality of what the scripture says, no matter what feels so real. Does that make sense? It feels real, doesn't it? It senses, we, we sense that it's real. People say to me all the time, I, you know, I feel like God hasn't forgiven me. Okay, that, that feels real. Did you confess it? Did you, did you ask God to forgive? Yeah, okay. Then on the basis of reality, you can have the assurance that God has forgiven you, right? What's fascinating to me as well is that in the New Testament, at least, the New Testament, the word feel does not show up but one time. One time. And it's bad. In Galatians where it says their God is their stomach, they're all kinds of sinners, and he says, who are beyond feeling. That's the only time it shows up in the entire New Testament. So I want to suggest feelings are real, but they're not always reality. Number two, um, I would suggest that we consult our feelings. And I'm trying to make this where it's memorable. See, it's real, but it's not reality. You should consult them, but not be coerced by them. You should consult them, but not be coerced or manipulated them. Let me give you an example. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's a prayer method called the Ignatian prayer methodology, if you ever heard of it, Ignatius and like that, where I would suggest that maybe a more reasonable thing instead of Cliff just saying, well, they don't matter, is this. Consult them. If I feel far from God, or if I feel whatever, you know, whatever's going on, maybe I should consult those feelings and say this. What are my expectations here? What are my expectations? I mean, I, I could tell you that when I feel far from God, my expectation is that if you, if you love Jesus and he loves you, you're going to feel him close all the time. Is that real? Do you see that in scripture anywhere? That you always feel close to God? You know, I don't think David, when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, goes, my God, my God. Now, what rhymes with that? Right? He's screaming at the top of his lungs. What are you? Where are you? So we should consult them, perhaps, and, and ask ourselves, if I have these feelings, are they the result of some expectation that I have that's not true? Could be. You know, I, 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 what, are, what are my expectations in line with what the scriptures tell me? Again, I've, I've, in my own life, I've said, you know, I've confessed my sin and, and, and that, and I said, but I don't feel forgiven. Okay, what, what, what expectation do I have here? That forgiveness always is associated with what? A feeling. I, I don't know where that, I don't think that's true. So, so maybe our feelings should be consulted to say, do I have some unrealistic expectations? I grew up in a church, you know, that if you were really a Christian, I always liked that. I wasn't sure what really a Christian was. Anybody? 
if you're really a Christian, like a half Christian, three quarters of a Christian, really a Christian, <clears throat> all of this kind of baggage that they, they loaded me up with that, that said, I, I, I remember this buddy of mine, not, well, I know him from, he's, well, okay, stop it, leave me alone, here we go, um, from, the, from the National Prayer Breakfast. Carmen Dearest, they'd gone into Iraq right after the war and they had passed out um, uh, stuff for kids and, and, uh, and uh, uh, been so helpful in that area and the people loved them. Carl gets out of his car in the middle of Basra, Iraq and says, has anybody seen Jesus, seen Jesus around here? Boy, people are, what are you talking about? You know, they're, they're, they're interested. What, what anyway, so they do a great thing and he said they're on this highway after they passed out all these things to the children and the people loved them and clapped and thought how wonderful you are, followers of Jesus that came. And he said, um, uh, they're driving down the road. He said, they've even got like a Stephen Curtis Chapman song in the, in the CD player. And they're singing and going along. And all of a sudden, this car comes up beside them. And they're singing and praising Jesus. They look over there, and the guys have a gun right on them just like that and pull them over. Pull them out of the car. Start talking to them about were they Christians or, you know, whatever. And uh, were they, were, what were they doing there? And what were they doing this? And they, they stole everything they had and... And they got next to him and, and got ready, took all the gas out of their car. And, and Carl says, they, they came up to him and, you know, he, he, here he is serving Jesus and becoming a, a witness maybe with his very life. Martyreo, that's the word for witness, by the way. Martyr, martyr, martyreo. He's going to lay his life down. He said, the guy puts this knife right up to my neck and says, are you a follower of Jesus? And he goes, yes. <laughs> he said, when people tell you that when that happens, you know, all this sense of God's prayer, they said, they're lying. <laughs> he said, I was scared out of my brain of what was going to happen. And people say, well, you know, you must not really trust Jesus. We'll get that put to your neck next time, right? So what are our expectations? Do we, do we have expectations, again, that maybe we should look at Scripture to say, is this reasonable? Here's another thing I think you should consult them. Here's another thing um, that uh, I said this to a person one time. I said, when your feelings, when you feel far away from God, hey, you know what I would say? Consult it here from the standpoint. What's your schedule like? Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. You feel far away from God? You, you sense sadness? Well, hold on here. Let's consult them. Have you looked at your schedule lately? Have you, have, you, have you looked at how you're going about life? I told Becky the other day, this happens very rare, but I was depressed. I was. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, as I've consulted this and looked at this, I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much. I, this book, well... I, this thing we did and then the Wesley Center and then having to travel to do ministers meetings and then that's none of my job. And my job and, and the church, listen, maybe consult them. Why am I feeling this way? Don't, don't just say like, well, don't worry about your feelings. No, don't do that. Cliff does that. That's not good. <laughs> Cliff's not your model here. Maybe Cliff does that, but instead of saying, well, wait a minute, if I'm feeling this way, 
look at my schedule. I've already looked at my expectations. Now I'm looking at my schedule. I'm looking at my commitments. I'm looking in my relationships. What's going on here? Right? I mean, we know that we're not only spiritual beings, we're also physical beings. And you can't run this body in the ground or this mind or heart in the ground and not have some consequence. So consult your feelings, but don't be coerced by them. Just say, okay, what are they telling me? Are they telling me I've got expectations that aren't biblical? Are they telling me that my life's out of balance? Are they telling me that my relationships need some attention? What are they telling me? It doesn't mean you dismiss them. It doesn't mean you just blow them off. It means you consult them, but you don't let them coerce you. And say, because I feel bad, I must be bad. Because I feel this. Let me give you an example of this. I, I think this may illustrate it. You know, if it, yeah. Um, years ago, when I was um, a younger Christian, I remember noticing one day that when I had sinned, and that's happened to me, I know some people are shocked by that. <laughs> and others people are shocked that I even said that they're shocked by that. Right? And I remember... Um, praying. And again, it's one of those times when the Lord nudged me and he said, stop that. Now, generally when he does, I say, okay, what, what are we talking about here? First uh, John one nine is one of those verses I memorized as a young Christian. And maybe you did too, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you see, when I did that, I didn't feel forgiven. Anybody ever been like that? Well, first of all, it seems too simple, right? I grew up in a church that, you know, if you, a little bit of guilt was good, a whole lot was even better. You know, and I, and I realized I was, I was consulting my feelings about this. If you confess your sins, here's what I was doing. I was confessing my sin. Confess just means say the same thing. It doesn't mean promise. It doesn't mean cry. It doesn't mean get all wound up. It just means to say the same thing. Comes from the Greek word homo logia, homo, same, logia, to say the same thing. You just say, okay, I agree. You're right. That's what it is. But my feelings were so jangled up that I wanted to feel forgiven. Here's what I was doing I would confess it and then ask God to forgive me. Who else does that? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. And the Lord said, stop that. And I said, stop what? He said, stop asking me to forgive you. I said, if you confess, I will forgive you. You're adding something. I don't need it. Have you done that before? I mean, I did that for years <clears throat> until one, but you know why? Because I was consulting my feelings thinking, well, if I don't feel forgiven, it must mean I better pray again or ask again. See, consult them but don't let them uh, coerce you. Is it my expectations? Are my beliefs out of whack? Like I, I, don't, I mean, I believed you had to confess to ask God, to, you know, confess your sin that God would forgive you, but my beliefs were out of whack because I believed you had to confess and then ask. That's the Cliff Sanders version. And I meet Christians all the time that do that. All the time. Because their feelings 
are all jangled up about this. And instead of saying, I'm going to do what the scripture says here. Now, let me give you a third thing here. This has always been fascinating to me about this. I'm going to give you some other scriptures. Is this making sense? Is this helping at all? Okay. I, you know, maybe this is just me being corrected by the Lord in front of everybody. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> that I'm being corrected. Yeah. I said to Becky, I don't know whether to do this. She goes, well, maybe you just need to, to, to I think she used the word, be humble. Hmm. Ouch. A friend of mine said one time, you know, the, if you want to be humble, you got to get ready to be humiliated. They come from the same term. I don't like that. Uh, but this feeling thing, I, I'm gonna, now, and I have backup on this from the chief of neurology from Mercy Hospital, Richard V. Smith, friend of mine. I want to tell you just a little bit here real quick about the physiology of feelings. In fact, I wish I'd have put that on your uh, outline. I, I wrote it like this. I, sw- I can spell physiology. P-H-Y-S-I-O-L-O-G-Y of feelings. P-H-E-E-L-I-N-G-S. I thought that was cute. Clever. Uh, there's a physiology here. Uh, I, I, you, you probably know this, but let me just take this line. My students don't seem to know this. And that's okay because they're young and they're paying lots of money to get an education. I always tell them, if I tell you everything you already know, what are you doing paying all this money? You know, just give me a check, we'll be done. That'd be a good deal to me. Um, you, have, you have two brains. I know my friends thought I didn't even have one, but you do have two. You have two brains. One is the limbic system. It's the closest thing to the stem of your brain. And you have the part called the neocortex. The funny thing about this is the limbic brain does not think. It reacts. And according to Daniel Goldman and some others who've done a lot of research in this area, they consider it to be the most primitive part of the brain that didn't, didn't you know, grow up until later. Let me tell you what that part of that brain is. That's the brain that if you heard a really loud noise, I mean really scary noise, you would either cover yourself up, that's called flight, or you might get up and start running, that's called fight, right? You don't have to, gee, that was a loud sound, that could be dangerous. Boom, you just react. It's part of what they call the limbic system, and it's survival. The, the issue with that is, is, is it doesn't think And there are two things, a couple of things that activate it. Fear is what activates it. Or anxiety is what can activate this part of the brain. Uh, And it doesn't think. If you're really interested in this, I'm serious now. There's a lot of physiology. And I had Richard Smith come, who was the chief of neurosurgery, goes to our church here uh, to come and talk to my classes because they wouldn't believe me about this, you know. They didn't know if I had a brain, you know. But Richard comes in and does that. And I say, see, I told you. See, I told you. So this limbic part of your brain, this is why when people sometimes say when they got afraid they did something, they, they don't know why they did it. You ever done that? When you get anxious or afraid, this part of the brain kicks in. Um, and the problem is, it doesn't think, and so part of learning to grow is to build, here's what they call, build neural paths from the limbic brain 
to the neocortex. You know, you ever heard people say when you get really angry, uh, count to 10? That's true. What's happening is you're building a neural path to the neocortex where you start thinking. Let me give you an example. It happened to me just the other day. Um, I came home after work and um, uh, I couldn't find my iPad. Now that's my brain. All my notes, everything like that. I thought, okay, I left it at my office. You know, just, just left it at my office the other day. And I don't normally do that. I'm very careful. I have, a, I have a system. I know I look like somebody that's got some ticks or like that, but I do this. That's my phone. That's my wallet. <laughs> and then I leave. <laughs> yeah. If you ever see me at a gas station, you'll see this. Okay, I can go. Um, <clears throat> telling you it's a funny little world we live in here. I do. So I get to the office. I go, oh, it's there. No sweat. I went to bed. Got it the next morning. I get to the office and I look at my desk and I can't find it. Somebody stole my iPad. You know what that is? The limbic brain right there. And I said, I know. You know what? People have keys here that come and clean. Or, or I'm going to call campus security. And then I said, Stop for a second and think. <laughs> think. Now, I was about to pick the phone up to call campus security to, to put, file a police report about who stole my iPad, right? And I said, stop, think, process. You see, what happens in feelings is it's called a neural hijacking. A neural hijacking. Your brain gets hijacked. Fear or anxiety does this. The, the fear was I've lost a, my iPad. And all of a sudden, think, think, think. And I said, okay, I even announced it to my administrative assistant. Somebody stole my iPad. Somebody stole it. I left it here. I know I did. I never, I, I left it here. And then I stopped and thought, now what? Think, 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 think. Where's the last place you were before you left? Well, I was at a meeting, which I hate. I hate meetings. I want to be there. And it was, went longer than I wanted it to. And my brain said, why don't you look in that vinyl folder that you have with all those notes for that meeting? Just an idea. Guess what I found? <laughs> iPad. Listen, if I had not tried to stop that neural hijacking, I would have called campus police. I would have accused people of stealing an iPad, and then I would have had to go throw it away if I found it, you know. <laughs> Just had to throw it away or give it to somebody. If I found it, man, I got to throw this bad boy away, right? Because I can't be wrong. Good night. I'm the chair of the school of ministry. I'd prayed about it. No. You, see, you see what I'm saying? I want to tell you, there's some physiology to this that is not spiritual. It isn't something, like, it's physiology. We, when we get afraid or we get anxious, our feelings get hijacked. You've had that happen, haven't you? And you know what? The more important a situation is or the closer the relationship is, the more likely. Becky came home the other day and said, um, I need to talk to you about something. 
What, 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 what? What do you need to talk to me about? Literally, what, what, what? I think I want to buy a new vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Made me mad. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That limbic brain kicks in. And it tells you all kinds of things. It scares the living daylights out of you. It makes you feel things that are so real you can't even imagine it. The challenge is this, to build neural paths to your thinking brain called the neocortex. Here's how you do it. Sometimes counting. One, two, three, four, five. Second, replace the thought with something true. Hold on. Cliff, the only answer to where your iPad is may not be that somebody stole it. Could be there's another explanation, right? Could be that, here's where I want to take you now to this. Or it could be in, in our feelings with God is to replace it with the truth of Scripture. I want to show you a couple of verses. Go to your table of contents in your Bible. That's the front. Don't be messing around. Don't, you may not know where these books are. If I showed you the book of Hezekiah, you couldn't find it. Or Clephiticus, that's the one I'm writing. That's going to be a great one. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 10.99, and I want you to go to chapter 10. If you're a feeler like me, and I do, I, I have these things and these feelings that hit me, and all of a sudden, I'm where, it's wearing me out. What do I do with them? Now, I'm just saying something. There, this is physiology here. This is not spiritual, non-spiritual. This is called a human being that has a, has a limbic brain system that kicks in first and only secondly does the neocortex kick in when you help it kick in by thinking, by replacing the thought, by counting, by putting something else there. You can ask Dr. Smith about this if you want to. He was trying to find my brain one time and it looked like a BB in a boxcar, you know. <laughs> Where is it? I always tell him, if I ever took a mind-altering drug, it'd take a week for it to find me. <laughs> right? It would. Man, I'm telling you, say, where is it? I know it's in here somewhere. Come on, come on. Look at this, though, when these thoughts occur and they're, gonna, it, they're, and they're going to activate the limbic system. They're going to activate it. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, Verse uh, four, uh, three. For though uh, First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians, ten, verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war or battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Watch this. Okay, we're destroying speculations and every high and lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You don't feel forgiven, Cliff. That's a speculation. Because the word of God says, if you confess, he'll forgive you. Right? You feel far away from God, Cliff. That's a speculation. Because the Bible tells you he loves you and he's not going to leave you. Right? What does he say we're doing? 
We are destroying them. Destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God. Here's what I've learned to do. Hey, that thought is against the knowledge of God. I destroy it. It may be with the church you grew up in. It may be the family you grew up in. It may be your history, but it is against the knowledge of God as we understand it. And I will not play with it or goof around with it or play footsies with it. I'm going to destroy it. Right? I'm not playing around with this. And I'm going to take every thought captive. That's what he says. Every one of them. Listen, I, sometimes it's the enemy of our souls that's putting thoughts in our minds. Sometimes it's just our active imagination. Sometimes it's the culture, all kinds of things. But we're going to say, okay, hold it. I am not allowing this thought that raises itself against the knowledge of God to be in my mind. Now, I had a good friend when I was in seminary. Um, I, I wanted you to understand why I'm saying this. <clears throat> I say this not because I'm so smart, <clears throat> because I, but I believe <clears throat> that the scriptures can help us in this very issue of our feelings and being driven by them or being depressed by them or any of it. <clears throat> friend of mine who was having serious problems was seeing a psychiatrist. He literally got to the end of his rope on this one time and he said to her, what does Cliff think? Now, can you imagine that? That's called the end of the rope. And I said to her one time, I was with her and her husband. I said to her, Jane, she wouldn't mind me. <clears throat> you don't know her. She's from up. I said, Jane, I'm going to tell you why you're having so much trouble here. This is again why I'm not a counselor. You're lazy. You're lazy. This takes too much energy, doesn't it? To decide you're not letting those thoughts run around in your head. You're going to take them captive. And until you get over that, you're not getting help. This takes energy. I, I, that doesn't sound fun, does it? But it takes energy. It takes attention. To say, wait a minute, that thought is contrary to the word of God. That feeling I have about myself <clears throat> is not true. I've told you years ago, I, <clears throat> I was working on my doctorate one time. I was uh, in my office doing a lot of writing and you know, I was really busy. and um, uh, I, I, uh, I spilled some water. And instantly, I went, you idiot. And again, that's one of the times the Lord said, stop that. He is always saying, stop that to me. <laughs> Have you noticed this yet? <clears throat> he, hasn't got, he hasn't got anywhere to say, now do this. <laughs> it's always stop, 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 stop. You're not an idiot. You're creating the image of God. You're a child of mine. You're not an idiot. You're not stupid. You're not worthless. Take that thought Captive. See, <clears throat> again, if you, <clears throat> if you have these feelings of low worth, don't let your thoughts coerce you, but consult them. Why, why am I thinking this about this? So I, I just told Jane, I said, Jane, this is going to be hard work because God's not going to do it for you. He's not going to do it for you. He's not going to make you think the right things. <clears throat> He's not going to force you out of that limbic system into your neocortex 
to tell yourself the truth. And if you don't stop it, you're not going to get help. Marcus Aurelius, smart guy back in Rome, basically said, our feelings are often the results of our thoughts. Get your thoughts changed. Your feelings will generally follow. This also relates to, so that's a great life verse there. You ought to underline it, stick it somewhere, post it where you can see it every day. It's going to be part of our application today. Go back to the left to Romans We've all heard this a bunch of times, but I'm tr- I want to try to dial it in here on this. By the way, we're not getting to A, B, and C today. <laughs> well, we got to D. <laughs> How about that? Just forget about A, B, and C. D is good. Here's, here's this verse that, I, that, again, and see, now work with me here. I've at times gone too far where I'm trying to take you. To where I've just got to the point I didn't give a hoot about my feelings. And I think that's wrong. I think that I lose a part of how God created me in his image. And that's why I'm trying to rectify this. But but watch this. Chapter 12. Did I tell you where to go in Romans? Can't read my mind, can you? It'd be a short read. It'd be a short read. You don't even want to get up in there. (laughs) Chapter 12, verse 1. You know this, but watch this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's a, there's a preposition here. There's a preposition here. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By what? The what? Yeah, see that preposition there? By. The word by here means how it's going to be done. How are you and I going to be transformed and not conformed? By the renewing of our minds. The word renewing there has this interesting notion is this. If you're doing this to renew your mind, I'll I'll translate this in East Texas, that means it ain't. (laughs) Right? Your mind's not renewed. Mine's not either. That's the challenge, to renew it. To bring newness to your mind, to your life, to your thinking. It's because your default setting in mind is wrong (laughs) in terms of the way we often think. Unless, again, it's been informed by reality. And I'm going to suggest to you the ultimate reality here is God's word. Is your mind renewed because you think the thoughts of God? I've I've learned my default setting is always generally wrong. I have to just stop and say, okay, now wait a minute. That's why it's a little bit of a struggle for this because is this me, is this Cliff, or is this the Spirit of God? I'm constantly monitoring that if I can. Some Some of you, your default setting is you're stupid. Some of you, your default setting is that if people really knew you, they wouldn't like you. Some of your default setting is God loves everybody but you. Some of your default setting is I could never, ever, matter much to another person. Your default, these are the default settings. The real settings are you're created in the image of God. You're loved whether you like it or not. (laughs) Right? You have value. 
How do you get transformed, Cliff? Well, by renewing your mind so that you can then prove what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, perfect, or complete is the Greek word here, teleos. We, I, we read this verse a lot, we're not, but I don't think we ever associate it necessarily with, okay, what am I gonna be doing with my mind here? What am, what am I gonna do about these feelings that, that kick into my limbic system and they just run around there and scare the living daylights out of me, right? Here's another one real quick. Uh, go to your table. Well, you can go to the right if you want to or a table of contents. I go to the table of contents. I want people to use that. I don't want everybody to feel embarrassed that you need to go there. I go there. Here we go. Philippians 11.20. Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, it says this. Finally, brethren, 4.8. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Dwell on these things. I mean, Paul said, hey, here, finally, let me, let me, let me give you the, the payoff here. Dwell on these things. I think I have an obligation or responsibility to God to decide what my mind's gonna dwell on. It's, this is no... Don't take me in any direction on this. But um, my mind and heart over the last few months has been troubled. There's a lot of tension, a lot of pain in our country. There are a lot of people feeling in, a lot of people feeling out. As a follower of Jesus, I, I, I feel some um, sorrow pain. And if I let myself dwell on that very long, it can wear me slick. And you too. And we got issues we have to deal with as a church or as a nation. But your mind and my mind and our feelings have to be because we're dwelling on what is good. Look what he says, honorable, right, pure, Lovely, good report, excellence, anything worthy of praise. So I, I just, I'm going to try to finish this and let you out, but is we're not going to A, B, or C. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have the energy to do that today. Um, just, I'm, tr I'm trying to tell you something here that is a physical fact about your feelings that you probably don't have any control in the sense that when that initial limbic system kicks in, that's when you now have some control. Okay, what am I going to do about that? I feel anxious. I feel afraid. Am I going to just give into it? Or am I going to talk back? A.W. Tozer 
wrote a great book. You ought to read it sometime. It's called, I Talk Back to the Devil. <laughs> I Talk Back to the Devil. What are you going to do? Are you just going to say, well, you know, it's terrible. I feel bad. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's no good. Isn't that bad? I guess that's what God feels about me. No. Nope. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk back. It's a great book. I, I don't, I just thought of it. Now I got to remember where it says that. I'm getting the right book of the Bible, Cliff. I told you we're talking up here. There's a great book and we have it in our bookstore and it might help you in this. Um, it's called Spiritual Depression by David Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's uh, by David Martin Lloyd-Jones and somebody's going to have to help me here now. See, I'm off script. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way and I, and I, think, he, I think he's right. He said this, our problem with our feelings is that we often listen to ourselves instead of talk to ourselves. Just, just let that settle in here. We, we are, uh, we're, we're listening to ourselves instead of talking. He quotes this great passage in Psalm that I can't find. Somebody probably knows it by heart. Where David says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquiet? I know the verb. How, why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Lord Jones says, you know what David's doing? He's talking to himself. Hey, why are you cast down? Oh, I thought it was Psalm 19, but it's not. 42. Thank you, Gary. See, I knew there's a Bible scholar in here. Thank you, Gary. 42. Oh, Google. That's why people don't memorize scripture anymore. Google. I hate Google. For that reason, I tell my students all the time, you memorize scripture. I got to Google it. Yeah, well, I'm going to grab your phone and throw it away. Why are you cast on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Jones says this, 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 Psalmist is talking to himself, not listening to himself. And that's the whole premise of spiritual depression. Our feelings, the way we feel, I'm telling you, it's a great book. I, it may get sold out in the next seven minutes, but I don't know how many copies they got, but you can get them all over the place. You need to read this book. Spiritual depression. The great thing is this, Lloyd-Jones was a doctor. Like a medical doctor, not like a doctor like me that can't help you. You know, I'm one of those doctors that can't help you. Uh, you know, Lloyd-Jones was a physician and God called him in the ministry. And his work is phenomenal. Yeah, I bet. The what? There's a what? Over a hundred. Yeah, but let's buy them at our bookstore first. Buy them at our bookstore first. That's right. Buy them at our bookstore first. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. But think about that. So as you go through this week, and I'm going to end with this, but as you go through this week, I'm going to ask you to apply it in this way. One of those verses that I gave you there at that end, you know, uh, Psalm 31, you know, 2 Corinthians 10, Romans 12, Philippians 4. 
I love that Psalm 31 when it says, I set in my alarm, I am cut off from him. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication. Maybe that's for you. Memorize that verse. Throw Google away today. <laughs> Reject Google. We cast Google out. Ekbalo. That's the, when, you, when they cast the ekbalo. We ekbalo Google. That means to cast out. Uh, uh, one of those verses that you connect with there, okay? To start using, here's what I'm gonna say, to start using, when those feelings in that limbic system kicks in, go to that, okay? That's how you replace it. Be begin by saying, okay, when I get these feelings, when I get shocked or afraid or nervous or whatever, here's the verse. This is for me. And I'm gonna begin to quote it and declare it uh, as, as my own passage for me. Second of all, you might, if you're interested in this, um, uh, again, I've already I do recommend that you get uh, the book Spiritual Depression. There's another book you might want to get, and it's not by a Christian, but it's highly researched like this. It's by Daniel Goleman, G-O-L-E-M-A-N. It's called Emotional Intelligence. He's spoken at the uh, Leadership Summit at Willow Creek a few years ago. When I was in my doctorate, this is one of the areas I did study. I mean, I can't treat you with your brain, but I can help you work with it. Um, Goldman. One, one fascinating thing I didn't remind, I just tell you, but one of the fascinating things is he says, and you've probably felt this before like I have, that if that limbic system kicks in real hard, it's called flooding. Flooding. You felt that? Yeah. You're overwhelmed. So here's what I'm saying. Consult them. Don't be coerced by them. They're real, but they're not reality. And there is a physiology on this, on feelings. It's just real. Christians have it, non-Christians have it. It doesn't matter. It's just physiology. My whole point or hope is this. I want to say again, I don't want you to neglect your feelings. I don't want you to think they're not important because they're telling you something about your expectations, about your schedule, about your belief system, something. They're telling you something. Lean into them and then use God's word to tell you the truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, this is real stuff for us in real life. And I pray that you help us. Some of us, uh, battle with this every day. Some of us don't battle with it very often. For some of us, this is a brand new material. <laughs> but we need the truth. Not in just some cognitive textbook kind of way. But we need the truth of your word to become part of our innermost being that you really do help us with these issues. And you really do want us to live a full and meaningful life. So help us in Jesus' name to live as full human beings, spirit, body, soul, feelings, all of it, guided by you. We pray this in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen.